We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello, everybody. Sean Davis here for Raptors Nation, your home for everything Raptors. The Raptors, well, since last time we recorded, they've won a game. They split their last two games since our last podcast, beating the Detroit Pistons 95-91 and be, uh, losing, excuse me, to the Cleveland Cavaliers. Actually, we did do one, I think, I don't think, after but, uh, the Pelicans game. So they're 2-1 since the All-Star break. Sean Davis here, joined as always by Luca Rosano. Luca. Had some optimism beforehand, like, hey, can I turn it around? Get blasted by the Cavs tonight. But two and one since the All-Star break. How are you doing? And uh, I guess just dive right into it. How have your feelings changed, if at all, since we last talked? Yeah. Um, so I feel like I'm I'm in the exact same spot feeling-wise as the last time we recorded this pod. So here's my instant reaction to the Raptors just getting – hammered by Cleveland I mean this thing wasn't close but at one point the Raptors did cut it to four but then it was just Cleveland throughout we'll get more into the game in a bit but two reactions to this on one end it's like okay I didn't expect the Raptors to win this game because from a schedule standpoint it was a tough spot Raptors playing the day before a 12 o'clock game in the afternoon a rare 12 o'clock game against the Pistons and that was a game where the Pistons took them to the brink to the end of that game. And then the Raptors had a quick turnaround where they were playing a Cleveland team that they had beaten three times this season. It's so hard to beat a team four times in a season. Uh, Cleveland had lost two games in a row. They were pissed off. They had some rest to kind of get ready for the Raptors. So this was not a good schedule spot for the Raptors at all. Now, was I surprised that the Raptors lost by this much yes i did not expect the raptors to be down by i think as many as 31 at one point and just look very bad throughout but at the same time i can sympathize where yeah it was a tough spot for them and then on the other end it's like i know a lot of fans have been optimistic and you know we're seeing things half last full that this team might be turning the corner but at the same time sean i think we still need to see more from this team in order for me to confidently say that this team is in fact back because I know they have been playing better. They were on a winning streak prior to this beat down, but you look at the schedule, they were beating teams that let's call it what it is. They should be bad teams. If you will. I mean, they were beating the Pistons who almost stole that game uh, twice during this stretch. Um, you know, they were beating, they beat the Pelicans who have been a mess. So, the Raptors have been getting these wins to get themselves back into this thing by beating 
bad teams. But now it's going to be a make or break time for them because they're going to be taking on teams that actually have something to play for. Starting Tuesday, massive spot against the Chicago Bulls, who all of a sudden look good um, with Pat Beverly on that team. They've won their last two, and it's been two blowout wins for them. So Raptors going to be taking on teams that will not be rolling over, whether it's fighting for the play-in or positioning the standings. The next 10 games starting Tuesday are going to mean something for both teams doing battle. So uh, we'll talk about this more. But, yeah, Chicago, Washington twice before you enter that uh, very, very tough west uh, west portion of the schedule. Yeah, and, I mean, it, by the way, you mentioned the Bulls. If you want to talk about the only team that might be more indecisive of whether or not it wants to – you know, tear it down or like look competent. It's the Chicago Bulls. Like you, you have games where with the Bulls, they might be Boston twice. I might be wrong, but you have games where you look really, really good, look like you could make the playoffs, and then you have like a five-game streak where you look like you just need to tear the house down, blow everything up. You trade for uh, you not you know trade. You sign Pat Bev. You kill the Nets, and now you look competent again. So. Uh, the Bulls are just the Raptors, but worse in terms of their indecisiveness. But yeah, like you mentioned, uh, and we've talked about this a lot, especially in recent episodes, it's about to get tough, right? Yeah. Like you mentioned, the next we, between now at the time of this release, February 27th, until March 22nd, with that being your last game, the Raptors will not play an insignificant game of basketball for their opponent. Chicago, Washington, twice. Denver at Denver, the Clippers, the Lakers, who, by the way, got a big time win. The Denver Nuggets again, Oklahoma City. Oklahoma City is the one game where it might not matter, depending on if they finally decide, all right, this was fun. Let's stop winning. For my sake, <laughs> yeah. I hope it, it is that. Um, Minnesota, they have to try. I mean, they traded five first-round picks, an all-star caliber guard, two high-level role players for – I mean, the 10th best center in basketball, essentially. Um, yeah, Kessler looks better than Gobert right now. Literally. Um, and then at Milwaukee and at home against Indiana, that could be another game where they might finally pack it in. But as of right now, that is a game where I think Indiana is still trying to win. And then yeah. it's Detroit. And then it's right back with my Washington, Miami, Philly, Charlotte, Charlotte, Boston, Boston, Milwaukee. So, like, there is no break. I don't know. I don't have the data right in front of me. But you have to imagine the Raptors have one of, if not the toughest schedules down the stretch of the regular season. So, Luca, we kind of talked about this off air. How crucial is it the Raptors, at bare minimum, split, go two and two and one in these next three, if not completely, go three and zero? Yeah, you made the argument that they needed to be a game above 500 going into that crucial West part of the schedule. And really, you know, you attach the Bucks game to that. It's seven tough games in a row. It's called for what it is. I'm, I'm not going to, I'll give OKC the benefit of the doubt. I think, you know, whether or not they, um, you know, they decide to tank, that's going to be a tough game anyway. So yeah, you got seven really, really tough games coming up. I would say at the very worst, you got to go two and one. You got to get the game against Chicago. That's huge. You have to beat the Bulls because, yeah. The Bulls are on the outside right now. If the Raptors lose, you give the Bulls the opportunity to re-enter the play-in. Whereas if you beat the Bulls, I believe the Raptors would then be two games up on the Bulls. So you have an opportunity to create a little bit of that separation. Whereas 
if you lose to the Bulls, the Bulls are right back into this thing. Well, right now, yeah, they're gaming a uh, half back. The Bulls are of the Raptors. So you have to beat the Bulls, and then you got to get one of two against the Wizards. If you get all three of these, you are feeling good, and that's the best-case scenario. If you get two out of three, you're still feeling okay. If you somehow you know lose all three or get one, then you're like, okay, this could end up being very, very bad. And I'll say this, Sean. I mean, I'm looking forward to these next couple of games because – I think in the games against the Bulls and the Wizards, we're going to see, like, will the real Raptors team show up? Is this going to be the team that, in fact, looks back? Or is this going to be the Raptors team that, you know, should have just sold at the deadline and they gave their fans false hope and 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 all that? Because, like, if you look at this Raptors team, I mean, not to be a Debbie Downer, you got to go back quite a while. And, like, when you find the Raptors' last quality win against the quality opponent, and now it's 25th against the Kings. Like, since February then, 5th, Memphis. Oh, wait, unless Ja didn't play. Did no, Ja, ja didn't play. Ja didn't play. Oh, wow. So that was their last quality win against the Kings team. That right now, they're third. They're clicking. Because then the Warriors beat them. Uh, they beat the Blazers, who didn't have uh, – well, the Blazers stink. I mean, they did have Dame in that game. But then, like you said, the Grizzlies game, they didn't have Ja. So the Raptors have caught a lot of breaks here over the last couple of weeks. And like I said, they have had a very favorable schedule that they have taken advantage of. And like, don't be fooled. I mean, the Pistons lost by one on Super Bowl Sunday to the Raptors. And then they only lost by four on Saturday uh, the other day, which should have been a row for the Raptors. And then even against the Pelicans, man, the Pelicans almost came back to make that a game. So these next couple of games, these next three games, I think we will see the real Raptors team. Is this team legit or is this team fraudulent and you know will they end up regretting their decision to buy at the deadline so yeah these i can't i can't uh understate the importance of these next couple of games going into that uh that pivotal seven game stretch so and and to your point so like the lot before that they had a couple they had back-to-back quality wins right the the kings on january 25th and the knicks on january 26th so back-to-back right before that you have to go back a week right? The, the Knicks again, right? Before that, you have to go all the way back uh, until December 23rd, yeah. right? I don't count the Phoenix game on December 30th. No Devin Booker. You beat them. Chris Paul and Mikel Bridges still play. I don't even think Aiden played that game either, so I don't oh. really count that. Yeah. And then before that, December 21st, so again, the game before that Cavs game, but it took Pascal Siakam to draw 52-9-7 to get it done. So to your point, the Raptors, while I think there is moments of brilliance in this team and that they can potentially hang in there with quality teams, like the Knicks this year have been a quality team, the Kings are a quality team, you, you beat the Cavs three out of four times still. It's just so inconsistent that like you have to you have to really, really search for a qual for a quality win. Right? Like yeah. outside of Cleveland, outside of Cleveland and the Knicks. There other re- in the Kings, right? But again, that's so long ago. I'm, I'm not even counting the Knicks. I'm not counting. I'm not even gonna count the Knicks because the Raptors sure, always sure. have their numbers. So yeah, you would have to go back to the Cleveland and the Kings. Example. The Cleveland game. Okay, yeah. before that, let's go one step further. You have to go back to November 16th, the, the first month of the season, <laughs> where you beat the Miami Heat. Yeah. So who aren't even that good right now. <laughs> right, who, who are struggling themselves, right? They're, they're struggling. As much as I love Kevin Love, Kevin Love has to start for the Heat right now. That's how much they're struggling. So can the Raptors 
find whatever good juju or like I, I, I don't know. Can they just dig deep down and find whatever it's going to take? Because let, I don't want to keep being a dead horse here, but like Denver, L.A., L.A., Denver, like those are right now four straight quality games, right, against really good teams. The Lakers have played really good basketball. The record doesn't say, but they played really, really good basketball. The, the Bucks and can you go beat Milwaukee finally, right? Can you beat Philadelphia finally? Can you beat Boston one of those two times, right? But can not only can you get – you got to get like three wins out of there somehow, somehow, right? Yeah. But can you take care of business? And this is where it really comes down to. Can you take care of business these next three, Chicago, Washington, Washington? Can you take care of Charlotte twice? Can you, in my opinion, take care of, of Minnesota – Oklahoma City, Indiana, Detroit. You take care of business, and what's that, seven games I mentioned? You win six, right? Let's say you drop one, but you take care of business, you win six. What's the Raptors record right now? What, 30, 30-something, 30, 30 and 32? Right. You win those six, right? That's 36 wins. You win at least three more by taking care of like those tough games or whatever. You just somehow find a way you win three, right? 39. Okay, you beat Minnesota. Um, I, I think I mentioned that's one of the games. But like you, you get you somehow maybe Boston. Hopefully they got the one seed locked up. Somehow. I don't know. Right? Can you like you got to try to get these wins while you can because it's gonna get tough. It's gonna get really really tough. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Yeah, that's why I think really, simply put, make or break the next three games. Because um, if the Raptors fumble this, if they struggle, if they lose these games, that tells me that this team may have, you know, regretted their decision at the deadline. And, like, if you're struggling and barely beating the likes of the Bulls and Wizards, we're talking about, like, borderline play-in teams with how much they've been struggling. That says a lot about, you know, how far the Raptors still have to go in terms of being a legitimate team. And, just to keep it real, Sean, I mean, even if the Raptors turn the corner, I think in the grand scheme of things, they're still a middle of the pack team. And, you know, this loss against Cleveland was a, a reminder of that. It's like, you know, Cleveland, I would give Cleveland the benefit of the doubt. I think it's safe to say in the East, you know, you got the three powerhouses and then Cleveland's like that uh, middle team that has the potential of maybe making a dark horse run. But then after that, it's like Raptors are kind of in no man's land with some of these yeah. other teams like the Hawks who just fired McMillan and uh, brought in Schneider and the Heat who are going backwards and 
uh, the Bulls, who have been a you know a mess. I don't know if they'll turn their season around. We'll see. Throw, throw um, the so, Knicks in there, like yeah. Like if you're not one of those top four teams, you're all bunched up together. Exactly. Exactly. So, and so. really, really quickly, talking about the Hawks, uh, right quick. I was notoriously low on them. Go look back at our one of our uh, early season prediction videos. Notoriously low. I love the Quinn Snyder pickup. I love it. Um, I'm about to. I'm writing an article in the process of working on a Substack piece. Uh, sport. If you want to sub and go read it, Sports Headlines Podcast. Substack. Dot. Sports Headlines Podcast. Dot. Substack. Dot com. Gee, Sean. I, I, I have Quinn Snyder ranked as my 13th head coach. 13th ranked head coach. You're getting that guy. I love him a lot. I think he's going to be great for Atlanta. And now, if Trey starts complaining about Quinn Snyder, then he, and it's really a Trey Young problem. Who? Yeah. I, I, you can run. You can run out. I keep forgetting the, the first guy's name. Um, who he ran out the first before Nate? You remember who it was before Nate? Yeah. Uh, no, it's not coming to my mind right now. Yeah, like I. Uh, and every time I, I think I have it, I, it always slips my mind again. But Lloyd Pierce, there we go. Finally. Yeah, so. yeah, Lloyd Pierce. There you go. You run Lloyd Pisa. Oh, Pierce. Okay, that kind of makes some sense. Maybe you know, maybe it was Lloyd. You know, young. Maybe young head coach, right? Good assistant though. Nate McMillan st- takes over. You make an Eastern Conference final run. Okay, cool. Nate's the guy. Um, and like, oh wait, like Trey, you're mad at Nate too, or whatever. Okay, we'll back you. You can't run out Quinn too. And you just give him a five year contract. Like you're not gonna be able to run Quinn out of town. But- no, I really like that pickup for the Hawks, and uh, I think the Hawks could be that one sleeper sleeper team that could maybe turn their season around and be an interesting team come playoff time. Because like, that's a team that has a lot of talent and, you know, Schneider, I'm a big fan of him as well. We know his track record. The Hawks have won two in a row. And really they're one of those teams that are amongst the other bubble teams, if you want to call them that. So if the Hawks can kind of all of a sudden piece this thing together, Trey goes on an incredible run. We saw this team in the Eastern conference finals not too long ago. So we know what they're capable of doing and they have DeJounte Murray this time around. So, yeah, if you're looking for, like, value sleeper picks, uh, the Hawks could potentially turn that corner with Schneider. But, yeah, it's going to be tough, man, because, I, I, listen, I think the Hawks are going to trend upwards now after this pickup. And if not, yeah, it's definitely a Trey Young problem. The Knicks have been great. Like, I have no yeah. idea where this has come from from them. I mean, they won five in a row. I don't see them completely falling off anytime soon. Miami is that team that I am going to give them the benefit of the doubt. It's bad right now. It can't get any worse. They've lost four games in a row. But I still do think something's going to flip on for them over these next couple of games. So, yeah, that leaves the Raptors. You can't count out Spo and Jimmy, man. You just can't. Yeah, you can't. Exactly. So, um, yeah, it's going to be interesting, man. And I do want to make this point. I want to, I want to bring up this point about uh, the Raptors, just going back to what's in front of them. They need consistency from one or two of the other players, the supporting cast around Pascal Siakam. Like Pascal Siakam, I've been one of his biggest critics over the years, whether it be on other podcasts, my own channel, but I can't say anything bad about him this season. He has single-handedly put this Raptors team on his back. If it wasn't for Pascal Siakam, Sean, this season, the Raptors would be in the gutter. Like they would not even be in the plane right now. I really think this team would have completely fallen off and be amongst one of the worst teams in the East. Like this dude has brought it every single night. And it's unfortunate though, because 
Pascal Siakam, take this game for example. He does everything he can. You know, he puts up 25, 5, and 8. I think he's going to – he's on pace for uh, – he's on pace for becoming the first drafter to finish the season with 25, 5, and 5 in, rap, in franchise history. Look at the supporting cast tonight. OG, you said you want a bigger role. You got to show up in moments like this. You only have seven points. Scotty Barnes, okay, you know, we'll give him the pass. We'll classify this as the whole, like, sophomore up and down season. And he's had nice games, so I can't get – on Scotty Barnes's case, but Gary Trim Jr. seven points. Fred Van Vliet has missed the last couple of games, which is important to know. But the Raptors are going to need two of these guys to step up consistently, along with Siakam doing his thing, for them to be a realistic threat of getting back into this thing. Because it just can't be Siakam carrying the load, and then you got to hold your breath on what these other guys are going to do. They need OG Barnes, Gary Trim Jr., Van Vliet, at least two of those four guys to come through in these games along with Siakam doing his thing for the Raptors to beat the teams that they're about to play and then have a chance against some of the teams they're going to play, some of the elite teams in the West that they're going to play. So, yeah, tonight was a perfect example, just the frustration of not having that support that you need and Raptors depth not looking good at all. And, like, it's pretty embarrassing when you just look at it for the core value of it. The Cavaliers beat the Raptors handedly. And the bench didn't really do anything. It was literally Donovan Mitchell, 35, Garland, 18, Allen, 23, Mobley, 18. That was the bulk of the cast. So, like, you're talking about four starters literally matching the entire output of a Raptors team, like, aside from Siakam, of course. Like, it's it, – it, it, it's I, listen, I know you don't want to look too critically at it because, again, it was a tough spot of the schedule. But just little things like that, reoccurring little things like that that make you wonder, okay, maybe this team is still – ways away until they can become uh you know a team that you gotta look out for in the east so you know if i would have applied myself i could have gone to the nba you think so yeah i think so but it's just like it's been done you know i didn't want to <laughs> i was like i don't want to be a follower hi i'm jason concepcion and i'm shay serrano and we are back we have a new podcast from wondering it's called six trophies Woo! and it's the f-ing best each week shay serrano and i are combing through all the nba storylines finding the best most interesting most compelling stories and then handing out six pop culture themed trophies for six basketball related activities trophies like the Dominic Toretto, I live my life a quarter mile at a time trophy, which is given to someone who made a short-term decision with no regard for future consequence. Or the Christopher Nolan Tenet trophy, which is given to someone who did something that we didn't understand. Catalina wine mixer trophy. Ooh, the Lauren Hill, you might win some, but you just lost one trophy. And what's more, the NBA playoffs are here, so you want to make Six Trophies your go-to companion podcast through all the craziness. Follow Six Trophies on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Yeah, and uh, that, that, that is a really good point you, you brought up. Uh, Fred Van Vliet, who is uh, out, who was out in the past couple of games, him and his family just had, I believe, their third child. So really quick, because we haven't done it, congratulations to Fred Van Vliet and his family um, yep. on their third kid. Um, last time, I think the first time, actually, he had a kid. It was during the playoffs in the, the final, the championship year, right? He came back on the yeah. yeah. 
So yeah, he came back for the Bucks series, went off, and then yeah, it was off. amazing. <laughs> yeah. So you yeah. know, maybe, who knows? You know, maybe Lightning can strike twice. Um, but I, I think that's an important. And maybe that is Fred, right? Fred is the at least even on a bad Fred VanVleet game, you know, you're probably getting 15, right? On a bad Fred VanVleet game, but. And maybe this is why Fred maybe thinks he's worth that price tag. Because, like, on nights like tonight where there's no Fred VanVleet, the offense doesn't look good because you don't have that. I mean, even Pascal is your playmaker tonight. Uh, he, he did it well enough. But you don't have that guard playmaker, which I, coming into the season, I thought the Raptors needed another guard. That was my biggest need for the Raptors was a guard. They didn't address it. That's fine. Um, but I, I think Fred Van Vliet, I think most of the nights he's going to at least provide you with something, whether it's a scoring 15 points or he's going to have games where he can get you 10 assists, right? Things like that. But a game like tonight, no Fred Van Vliet, like OG and Obi and Gary Turn Jr. combined for five for 20 and two for seven from the, from three, five for 20 from the field, two for seven from three, 14 points. That's just unacceptable from a dude who wants to get paid this summer in uh, Gary Trent Jr. And another guy who there's been rumors or reports about him not being happy with this role in OJ Anobi. You want to, you're not happy with your role, go produce. This is a perfect yeah. opportunity for you to take the reins and go produce. No, 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 uh, uh, Fred Bimbley, uh, Pascal's doing his thing. You go produce, right? Yeah. So, like, if you were producing, and a, a consistent, I love OG. I'm one of his biggest fans. I feel, or I think yeah. he's the the best, the second best on ball perimeter defender from a wing in the NBA. Only guy I think is better or even close is uh, Mikel Bridges, right? Only guy, right? And even then, if you told me OG, I had no gripes or complaints whatsoever, yeah. right? And the in the since he's came back, I know he's a little banged up too, but since he's came back. He's averaging nine points per game, four fouls per game. He has more fouls than he has assists, almost more fouls per game than he has rebounds per game, only at four and a half. He's shooting an abysmal 10% from three. Oh, crap, wait. These numbers are actually about to drop because it doesn't even have uh, today's stats in. So let me let me redo my map here. No, he's still averaging, uh, no, uh, 25. He's averaging a little over eight points per game. He's averaging... Uh, like 3.3 rebounds per game now. Like, then dude is shooting for the month of February, these three games since the All-Star break, he is shooting uh, two for two for 12 from three. He's two yeah. for 12 from three since coming back, and he is seven for 27 from the field. You want you want a new role, go produce. Like, otherwise, I have nothing to say, dude. Love you, but, like, you can't yeah. be mad and you're not producing. Honestly... I don't want to overreact to, you know, obviously you got to take account for the injury and him coming back into the rotation. But yeah, lately, OG to me just seems like a dude who's checked out. And I don't know if that has to be connected to all of the, you know, rumors that had come out and all the talk about him being unhappy here and, and all that. But yeah, right now, OG does not look the same. How much of it is tied to him, you know, just coming off of an injury, it could be a lot, but how much of it is tied to also of OG? Maybe he isn't unhappy here. So 
I think that's going to be an interesting storyline to watch. How is OG going to perform down the stretch? And remember, Sean, like I, I think we said this in a previous pod, I think that's going to be the number one thing that comes up this offseason, uh, obviously along with some of the other pressing things of Van Vliet locking up uh, Pirtle and uh, the Gary Trent Jr. decision. In that will be what's going to happen with OG. What is next for OG and Anobi in his future with the Toronto Raptors? Is the offseason going to be a time where the Raptors seriously look hard at the deal, time will tell. But yeah, right now, OG has a perfect opportunity, especially with Fred being out in you know, these last couple of games, to step up, show his worth of being that offensive contributor, being that guy who wants to be a main focal point of the offense. And right now, he's, he's been dropping the ball. So I think that's a really good point with OG. Last point I have, and this is about Gary. Um, I think Gary's messing up his money from the state. He's going to get paid regardless. I want to make that clear. I think he's messing up how big his payday can be because of his inconsistency, right? I think this has been a better a better year at times for Gary Trent Jr. The month of – I had his stats pulled up in front of me. I lost it. Oh, there we go. The month of December and the month of January even gave you some room for, like, optimism, like, Okay, we turned the corner with Gary Trent Jr. in terms of, terms of he's like a 45% and up shooter from the field, 38% and better from three. Because that's what he was for a two-month stretch. Month of Jan- uh, December, 48.6% from the field, 40.3% from field, averaged 18. Month of January, about 45% from the field, 38% from three, but 20.8 points per game. He's dipped back, not even points-wise, but he's dipped back to like the old Gary Trenger, the one we saw earlier in the season and in all of last year, it felt where efficiency wise, he's up and down. He's only had one game this month where he shot better than 45% from the field. He's getting 18 points, but if it takes you 17 shots to get to 18 points, like that's just not efficient basketball. And, and that's where I think he's going to kind of mess himself up at because he's just not efficient enough. And yeah. Last point I want to make, kind of uh, end this thing off on uh, a bit of a positive spin, is the whole Jakob Pertl stuff. So listen, yes, I'm going on. The, I was on the record for saying that I wasn't upset with the Raptors trade for Jakob Pertl. I was more surprised that the Raptors decided to buy and not sell some of the other core pieces that were heavily talked about potentially being moved. Guys like OG, guys like Fred VanVleet, as he is going to become a free agent this off season. But the move for Jakob Pertl in the grand scheme of things might end up being a huge addition for the Raptors. And so far, he has proven his worth. And it is, uh, you know, a matter of the Raptors finally have a true center and they do look a lot better defensively and just with their overall rim protection with Jakob Pertl. I think they definitely need to lock him up this summer. I think they will lock him up this summer. You can tell Pertl likes it here. He's really good friends with Pascal Siakam. And what Pirtle has shown us over the small sample size of him coming back to the Raptors has been great. I have, I don't have negative things to say about what I've seen from Jakob Pirtle. And the Raptors needed to address their center position anyway. So it looks like they have their solution with Pirtle. So that could end up being the bright spot at the end of the season of the Raptors having that long-term solution at the center position with Pirtle playing as well as he is. Now, hopefully it doesn't cost the Raptors big in terms of a draft pick over the next couple of seasons. And hopefully the Raptors won't be a basement dweller and put themselves in that position. 
But Jakob Hurdle is proving that, uh, yeah, he, he's going to be that solution at the center position. The Raptors just got to fix some of the other uh, uh, issues that they've had on this team. Yeah, and uh, the Raptors can be really, really scary defensively. It, it, if OG locks back in, and I'm more so talking about next year and into the future, like a, a front court of Scotty Barnes, Pascal Siakam, and Jakob Hurdle, right? And then... If it's OG, even if it's Gary Trent Jr., right, at the two, right? Who knows? Maybe OG's not a signature. Yeah, that two through five is going to be really, really tough defensively, right? So I think – and even offensively, too, I think Jakob Pertl offers some uh, some passing and some finishing and rebounding ability offensively, too, that I think the Raptors do a better job of tapping into. But, um, yeah, I, I do agree. I wasn't the biggest fan of the trade, but uh, he, he's definitely shot me up because he's been, for the most part, great since becoming or be, re-becoming. That's definitely not a word, a Raptor. <laughs> well, just look at the last three games very quickly in particular. Um, they went, I, I really believe they beat the Magic because of Pirtle, had a massive night. That's when he dropped 30, I believe. Let me just double check. Yeah, so yeah. they win that game because of Pirtle. They win the Pelicans game because of Pirtle. Because there were a couple of instances in that game where Pirtle got his offensively. He finished 21 points. So he gave Pascal Siakam that much-needed secondary scoring. And also, he was on the glass, had 18 boards, and made a couple of big-time blocks when it looked like the Pelicans were making their run. And then against the Pistons, Pirtle had 14 rebounds. So he has been giving the Raptors a much-needed body inside He's been huge on the glass, giving the Raptors second chance, op- uh, second chance opportunities. And also the biggest thing is the rim protection. This dude is a phenom, man. Blocking shots, you know, not making it easy for guys to just get into the lane, attack. Now, when guys drive in on the Raptors, they got to worry about Jakob Pertl. So just his sheer presence in the paint, in and around the rim, has made a huge difference for this team. And I've seen it over these last couple of games. And he's the reason why the Raptors have two out of these last three wins. It's as simple as that. So I think Jakob Pertl long-term is going to make more sense, and he is going to be a great fit on this team. It's just the Raptors, I think, moving forward. Don't want to get too ahead of myself. They got to kind of restructure everything everything outside of Pertl, obviously Barnes, and Siakam, I don't think, will be going anywhere unless something drastic happens. But in terms of some of those other players I haven't mentioned – I think some reshuffling needs to happen and will happen if uh, obviously the Raptors don't drastically turn this thing around this season. Yeah, well, Raptors Asia, comment down below. Are, are, should you be concerned about the play of guys like Gary Trent Jr. and OG and Anobi? And how excited have you been about Jakob Proto's play? Do you think he could really be a long-term solution for the for the Raptors? Gee, Sean. Uh, as always, guys, leave a comment and like and share this video. As always, guys, stay safe. We'll see you guys next time. Peace out.